0: Everybody thinks
1: you should be happy just because you're young. And they don't see the wars that we fight every single day. And one day my war will end, and I will not die, and I will not tolerate abuse from anyone. I am strong.
0: My mom's kicked me out when I got jumped into the gang life, but I like her to see me graduate like to be 18.
1: Miss G, carry something from my diary? That'd be great. Who is he? Man, he's been with us his freshman year, fool. What's his name? I don't know. The summer was the worst summer in my short 14 years of life. It all started with a phone call. My mother was crying and begging, asking for more time. I said she were gasping for her last breath of air. She helped me as tight as she could and cried. Her tears hit my shirt like bullets and told me we were being evicted. She kept apologizing to me. I thought I have no home. I should have asked for something less expensive at Christmas. On the morning of the eviction, a hard knock on the door woke me up. The sheriff was there to do his job. I looked up at the sky, waiting for something to happen. My mother has no family to lean on, no money coming in. Why bother coming to school or getting good grades if I'm homeless? The bus stops in front of the school. I feel like throwing up. I'm wearing clothes from last year, some old shoes and no new haircut. I kept thinking I'd get laughed at, them. instead I'm greeting by a couple of friends who were my English class last year, and it hits me, Mrs. Girlwell, my crazy English teacher from last year, is the only person that made me think of hope. Talking with friends about last year's English and our trips, I began to feel better. I received my schedule and the first teacher is Mrs. Girlwell in room 203. I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. I am home.
0: good all the time as I was sitting there and I'm looking up and seeing the praise music enjoying it but especially enjoying seeing my son up there praying doing praise music if you didn't realize he's a good looking one the one that looks like dad uh, thanks for mom's looks uh, and then I looked over to my family and I see, I, this December, we added to our family, we have a new son, not a baby, my daughter got married. Uh, and she's home, and it's nice to have her. And Monday's a, a special day, because Monday, I share a birthday, and that is with my youngest daughter. So it's nice to be blessed, to have hope, and have the family. Francis Chang used this once uh, and our, our title for our series is Lifeline. And I want you guys to use your imagination that the blue tape is the life that we live here in the world on this earth. So so the tip of it, let's say you're born, everybody's happy. Right about here, you turn six, first day of kindergarten, your mom dresses you all weird and takes a bunch of pictures and, and they walk you to kindergarten and they cry. Not really, you're the one who's crying and saying, are you crazy? Why are you taking me here? And, and then about here, you, you turn 13 and you think you know it all? That mom and dad have no idea what this world's about. And then 16. Sixteen, you get your license. You think you could drive. And also, you start paying attention to boys and girls. And then about 18, around here, uh, they think they're adults. And at that time, also, the dad is, is cleaning his gun every time a boyfriend comes in and has a good come-to-Jesus talks with them. And then you start thinking of your career, your life, your success. And you keep going on and thinking, and, and you, buy your, you get married, you buy your first house, and it keeps going, and sometimes you start losing. You, you're so involved in here that you forget about here, which is eternity. And not only do you forget, but sometimes life turns for so bad that we start losing hope. We start losing hope and we forget about this. Well, you come to church. I always tell young people when I talk to them that if you come to church and you're going to have your eyes focused on the people there, do yourself a favor. Let it be the last day you come to church because eventually somebody will say something to you. But if you keep your eyes on God... And on this part, you can't lose sight. Hope we're discussing today. Let's pray. Precious God, this morning, I ask your prayer that every time I come up and speak in front of people, the same thing, Lord. Blind everybody that's in this room. Don't let them see a sinner like me, Heavenly Father. But let them see you, Lord. Let the words that come out of my mouth today are not mine, but it's you, Lord. In your holy, precious name, amen. In John 16, the last verse of the chapter, it says, I told you these things that in me you may have peace. That's Jesus talking, and if you have time today or this week. Go back to chapter 14 and 15. At this point, Jesus has told uh, his disciples and others things that are happening and, and going on. In me, you will find peace. And then he goes on and he says, in this world, you will find trouble. Now, let me explain to you. It's not like trouble, like I remember as a kid, uh, it was Saturday night, we had just finished worship, all of our friends were over, and we were going out that night. Uh, at that era, uh, roller skating was a very popular thing on Saturday nights. So uh, I went outside for something, and my little cousin, who I, who's exactly like my little, who's I claim as my sister, the sister I never had, we're very close uh, with each other. She was in the laundry room ironing her clothes. I passed by the window. Now, the window's high, so you really can't see, but I knew she was in there. I saw the light. I decided I'm gonna scare her and I'm gonna hit the window. The only thing I didn't realize at that time, I was pretty good looking strong, And my hand went right through the window. And as my hand went through the window, all I could hear is my little uh, sister yelling, ah, ah, and I'm yelling back at her, it's me, be quiet, I'm going to get in trouble and then I can't go out tonight. It's me, and every time I say it's me, she yelled louder. And I don't know from where, but she saw a guy with a a knife in her hand, in my hand, and she's yelling, he's got a knife, he's got a knife. And I'm like, it's me. And my brother came in running. I'm not talking about that trouble. Jesus is not talking about that trouble. He's saying, you're going to have trouble. I remember another time, it was the winter. Uh, My parents took us sled riding. We lived in in Long Island. Uh, And we found a hill and we were going down. and, And the way to get to the all the way to the lake, you had to aim to this big oak tree. And as you go to the oak tree, if you cut it right, you can go all the way down and you don't have to get out and, and walk. So my mother's going with me. And she says, why are you going towards the, the tree? I'm like, mom, that's the only way we can gain speed. We, we—that's the only way. And I'm in the front, and I—I I was going to bring a sled with me, and I forgot. Uh, it's just one of those sleds you sit down, I'll lie down the handlebar here. So we were sitting down. My mom in the back, and I'm—and I had the the steering on my, by my on my feet, and we're heading down. We're gaining speed, but my mother said something because she complained. I love my mother. Let's make this. Sorry. Anybody watch the show? Everybody loves Raymond. That's my mother, okay? She's Marie. Uh, And I'm not, uh, I'm Robert. So we're heading down, and I missed the controls. And I slipped, and it was too late for me to get. And I'm seeing that old tree coming close. And my mom is yelling. And the only thing I could do was duck. And I saw my mother fly over, hit the tree, and I knew I was in trouble at that point. I knew I was in trouble. God's not talking about that kind of trouble. Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have trouble that will shake your world. It will turn your world upside down. But in me, find peace. But take heart. And he's not saying, take heart. He's saying, take heart. I have overcome this world. I have a students for the ones that don't know. I'm a chaplain at a, at Venice University, which used, formerly used to be called Florida Hospital College. I have a coworker that one day says, "I'm bringing my daughter in, and I really would like her to me- meet you." I'm like, "Okay." She was in high school. Her name was Alicia. She walked in. I met her. Beautiful young lady, a beautiful smile, always smiling. Uh, I found out she was very ticklish. Uh, It was tough because every time she sees me, she wanted to give a a hug, but she would give me like this because she knew I would tickle her. And and I got to a point that I said, you know what? From now on, when you come to give me a hug, I promise I won't tickle you. And and at first, it was still like this kind of hugs. And then finally, she trusted me. She graduated and started going at the university, always smiling. Lisa was always in and out of the hospital. She was on dialysis, she was waiting for a kidney transplant. She finally got it. I didn't visit her every time she was in the hospital. And she understood. You see, if I see blood folks, I pass out. So if I had to become a chaplain at, at the hospital, it wouldn't work. But she would understand. And I remember one day her talking to me. And I, and I see that she always smiled. It didn't matter how bad. And I never, never that I known her or her mother ever say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? God, you don't understand. And let me tell you, folks, I've said that. I've said, God, why? And and this young lady taught me something. Taught me that she had hope. But most of all, she brought me to the cross. Because, see, I could talk to you about heaven and eternity all day long and tell you how beautiful uh, heaven's going to be and how cool it's going to be. I'm going to be able to sing in heaven. On earth, I'm the first one to admit it. I cannot sing I remember one day being in the car driving on I-4. I have Z-A-D-A, and I'm singing oh loud, and I hit this note that was so bad that I even realized it. I looked up to heaven, and I said, I know you guys are laughing, but one day when I get up there, I had the hope of having good uh, talent with singing. She brought me to the cross, and she taught me that, you know what, Ronald? It doesn't matter if you have Jesus in a relationship, not just know Jesus, but have a relationship, you have hope. You'll understand it. I got a, uh, it was one Wednesday night, Alicia worked with her, her uh, young people at her church. Very heavily involved, this young lady was with the church. And it was Wednesday night. She had come out of the classroom and heading towards the sanctuary because her mom was there. And as she was coming out of the classroom to tell her mom something, she ran into uh, her grandma and grandma said, she saw grandma and says, Grandma, I thought you weren't feeling good. What are you doing here? She goes, I'm not feeling good, but I locked the keys in the house. Could I have your keys? Alicia said, yes, let me walk to... uh, to the get my purse in the classroom walks over there gets her purse and grabs the keys and when she grabs the keys the other person working with her said are you okay and at that moment she collapsed she was rushed to the hospital never came to again her mom had called me and said that she wouldn't make it at that time, I knew I needed to go visit her. And, and as I walked from the college, the university to the hospital, to me, it was one of the longest walks. I walked in the room, and, and, and when I walked in the room, nobody was there. But there was a Bible that her mom had placed at her feet, and I stopped, and it was Psalms twenty-three. As I read Psalms 23, I looked at this young lady still so peaceful. uh, And I walked by and grabbed her hand, and she just held it. I prayed. I prayed, God, can you perform a miracle? She passed away a couple days later. She wrote her own funeral service. And it was followed to the T. She had hope. You can't tell me that God doesn't understand, that Jesus doesn't understand. Remember, if we go back to the cross, Jesus was beaten. Jesus was spit on. Jesus was slapped. I remember coming off the bus one day, and I get off the bus, and this kid throws a snowball at me, and he hits me so hard on the ear that I can't stick my finger in my ear. And I lost it. And and I went to the kid, and I started fighting with with him. And at that time, we didn't have the little bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? Uh, Because probably that would have helped me uh, instead. And and I pounced on him. I beat him up. Well, I didn't beat him up. I just hit him uh, and put snow on it. But I stopped when he started crying. Jesus could have done that. But he understands. He understands what we go through. You can't tell me God doesn't know what it is to lose a son, a child. He does. Jesus says, have heart. I had a student who came to my office because she had to come. She got herself into some trouble at the university and they had told her that she needed to come and see me on a regular basis. Nice thing, you get in trouble and they send them to the chaplain. Uh, We're sitting down and I know that what she did was foolish. The first time she's ever done anything wrong. She was hurting. She was embarrassed. And as I started talking to her and as time came and she started trusting me and opening up to me, she told me that she would never be happy. That God was punishing her. That she doesn't expect to be happy. She lives with two brothers, a mom who's an uh, alcoholic and a dad who's a drug addict. So basically, she lives at home and takes care of two brothers. She studies At the university, she works. And I said, why do you keep saying that you'll never be happy? And at that point, she kind of held back, and I knew we were going pretty deep on this one. And she said, when I was five years old, I was at my cousin's house my cousin was 19 years old and I asked him can you take me to go get candy and her cousin said no and you know how a five year old could be she kept bothering him take me to the candy store come on let's go to the candy store it's not going to take you that long please take me to the candy store please please take me to the candy stand." I said no Now leave me alone. She leaves, plays a little, comes back. Will you take me to the candy store? Will you please, please take me to the candy store? I'll leave you alone if you take me to the candy store. Come on, let's go to the candy store. Finally, her cousin says, all right, let's go. And they walk to the candy store. And as they walk out of the candy store, she's happy. She's got her candy. Her cousin and her are heading back home. And two guys came out and opened fire on them. And he grabbed her, shielded her, and they shot him to death. And after they finished, after they shot him, they went to him and stole the Rolex that he had. That was a knockoff that was worth $60. Every September on the 23rd, she's 21 years old now, Every September on the 23rd, she gets a phone call from her aunt blaming her that her son is dead because of her. I look at this young lady at this time. She's crying. I'm crying. We're holding each other. And I'm like, you got to let go. She goes, how can I let go when I get a reminder every day? I'm like, what are you talking about? She lifts her sleeve up a little, and right here, she had a burn from one of the bullet shells that every day she gets out of bed and she sees it. She knows what she did. And as I'm hearing this story, and I'm praying, God, help me to say the right thing let me say the right thing to this young lady. And I looked at her and I said, do you know that, Mark? Jesus has one of those. It might not be exactly where yours is. It might not look exactly like, but Jesus knows what you did, what happened. And she, I said, you know what? You didn't pull the trigger that day. You wanted some candy. You did not pull that trigger. And we just talked about Jesus that day. We talked that God knew exactly what pain she was going through. That day before she left my office, she had hope. She had hope because she realized that somebody else has gone through the pain she's going through. That she that understands. And I tell her all the time, just feel God's arms wrapped around you. He's holding you, girl. He, he cries with you. She comes visits every week. With a smile. Is she fully recovered? No but she's on her journey there. God's saying you're going to have trouble in this world. Who are you going to turn to? In Romans 14 I'm sorry, Romans 15:13 it says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace" As you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have hope. I want to tell you a last story about a professor who taught a religion class. And, and at this university, you had to take this class, you don't have a choice. You have to take the class. So some of the students took it serious. Some of them were like, really? I have to take this class? And one day at the end of the class, the professor asked Steve if he could stay after class that he wanted to talk to him. Steve says, sure. Steve, everybody left, Steve comes to the professor. And the professor, at this, let me uh, draw a picture of what Steve looked like. Steve looked like any young man would like to look like. He had muscles, you know, the six-pack. He was a football player. Actually, he could play any sports. The girls loved him. He was strong. He was smart. The professor said, how many push-ups do you think you could do. And Steve perked up, oh, says, I do 200 push ups every night. 200? Yes, sir. Every night I do 200. Can you do 300? I, I don't know. I've never tried. Can you do 300? I think I can. No, no, Steve, I can't get, I think I can. I need to know, can you do 300 push-ups? And you know, he got old. He goes, yeah, I can do 300 push-ups. At that point, the professor and him talked about something that was gonna happen in class on Friday. And he told Steve exactly what he needed to do. Come Friday, everybody thought they were having a party. The professor brought, bought a bunch of donuts, and, and these weren't Krispy Kreme donuts for the Krispy Kreme lovers or Dunkin' Donuts. These were donuts. These were big donuts. These were the best donuts you could buy. And everybody in class was, mm. So he went to the first row with his bo- uh, a box of donuts and says, Chaney, would you like a donut? And she looked at him, and she knew that's her favorite donut. Says, yes, I would like it. And he turned to Steve and said, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Janie can have a donut? He gets out of his chair, boom, gets down, does 10 perfect push-ups, gets back, here's your donut. He went to the next person, would you like a donut? Yes, i like a donut. Steve, could you please do 10 uh, push-ups so she could have a donut? He jumps on the floor, does 10 push-ups, gets backed up, sits down. Here's your donut. Next person, do you want a donut? Steve, do your thing. Does 10, 10 sit-ups, sits down in his chair. That's the first row. Steve constantly gets in. Second row, it starts. And you can start telling, seeing Steve kind of getting tired because he's no longer getting out of the chair and getting in the chair. He's staying on the ground. He says to the next person, do you want a donut? Yes. Can you do 10 push-ups? He does the 10 push-ups, gives donut. He got to Scott. Scott was another young man who was tall, basketball player, was the best basketball player there. He says, do you want a donut? I can do my, own, my 10 push-ups. He goes, no, he has to do them. Do you want a donut? He goes, no, I don't want a donut then. He goes, why does he have to do my 10? Why can't I do it? He says, because this is my classroom. It's my donut. It's my desk. That's why. And he goes, well, I don't want that lousy donut. And the professor grabbed the donut, looked at Steve, said, Steve, can you do 10 push-ups for the donut that Scott doesn't want? And placed it on his desk. Walk to the next person. Do you want a donut? Yeah. Steve, can you do 10 push-ups? And by that time, if you're looking at it, Steve, the sweat's pouring down. But he's not stopping. And he's going down the line. And and at that time, there were some kids. There was 30 students there. In class, but some kids that had in the past had known what was going on walked by and they saw it and they walked in. So four students. So now we're at f- thirty-four. And he keeps going down and he's looking and he's thinking, "Do I have enough donuts for everybody?" And he goes to the next person, "Do you want a donut?" No. Steve, will you do ten pushes for that? He doesn't want donut and he places it on the desk. Keeps going by. By that time, another young man is about to walk in, and everybody in the classroom says, Don't come in! Stay out! Steve looks up and says, Let him in. So he came in. By now, he got to a young lady that was crying, saying, Professor, why can't we help him? Why can't we help him? Can I do it? He says, no, do 10. And he explained to the class the reason that Steve had to do all the 10 pushups for everybody was Steve was the only one that never failed the test, was in class every day, his homework was excellent, and the rest of the students there had failed a quiz or test, had not shown up for class because they didn't feel like it. uh, Didn't show up for class, and the homework they turned in, they should have never turned in. He was paying their price because he said if he could do the 10 push-ups for everybody, everybody would get an A in class. So he went by and he finished 35 students. By that time, the other students by Steve Graham picked them up because he was, he was done. They placed him in this chair, and the teacher went up to him, to Steve, and said, Well done, good and faithful one. And then he turned to the class and said, Some of you accepted it, the donut. And some of you left it. Some of you will accept Christ. And some will walk away from what Christ has offered. But it doesn't matter because God died for you. God this, this for you. How can you lose hope? This is the lifetime that we live in this world. This is eternity. Don't ever let somebody cheat you from this. Don't let somebody look at you different. Just make sure you have your eyes focused on God. You'll never lose hope. Precious God, give us the strength, the wisdom that we need. That, yeah, when we hit that hard time in this world and and the troubled times, instead of turning around and saying, God, why are you doing this? Realize that, God, you're going through this with me. Give us the strength that we don't lose hope because, see, we're in this world for a short time. Don't let success overpower us and, and start not, not looking at the hope or the eternity that you have that we can spend with you. Lord, give us a peace, the peace knowing that you're here no matter what, the peace that no matter what happened in the past, you've erased that. Lord, let us all be there with you. In your holy, precious name, amen.